helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. How can you tell when a politician is lying? Generally, their lips are moving. How can you tell when the media is lying? Well, see, that's a bit tricky. See, it'd be real nice if, if every time the media lied, there was like a lie detector built into it, and you'd hear something like this. Liar! 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 The world doesn't work that way. It'd be nice if it did, but it doesn't work that way. Now, we here at the Constitution Study believe in freedom of speech and the press, which includes the freedom to lie. Which means I'm not looking to shut down, muzzle, or in any way censor the media. So what is a citizen to do? Well, the answer, I believe, is the age-old Latin phrase, caveat emptor, buyer beware. So we've spent years investing our trust in one newspaper or another, one news program or another. Now that we're fully in the information age, we're able to easily access other sorts of information, other sources of information. Now, as these quote-unquote alternate sources of information, they're providing not just a different view of what's going on, but evidence that their view is correct. At least some of them do. Now, many Americans seem to be stuck between a rock and a hard place. Do we believe the evidence or our trusted media? Which is where caveat emptor comes into play. I cannot tell you who to trust, or more accurately, I will not tell you who you should trust. But as for me in the Constitution study, we'll first vet the evidence, then trust what proves itself to be true. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution study. We read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm so glad you joined me today. You know, as I was putting this episode together, I kept thinking of baking bread. I like baking bread. Uh, I, I like cooking. But you know, when you bake bread or anything bread-like, there's a stage that's called proofing. It, it, it's basically where th there are two parts of proofing. One is the initial proof, where you prove that the yeast you're using is still alive. Right? Yeast is a live thing, and you mix it with some water and generally some sort of sugar, and you let it sit for a few minutes to make sure it forms bubbles. Because if the yeast is dead, the bread won't work. Then, of course, you have the latter proof, where this proves its function by rising the loaf before you cook it. Well, I think we need to treat the media the same way. How do we prove the media? How does the media go through its proof? As I said, sadly, we seem to have been lulled into this simply accepting what they say and uh, not actually proving it to see if it's true. And just like in the cupboard, there are certain jars, certain packets of of yeast that you know are no good, well, there are certain media outlets that I pretty much assume they're not going to prove themselves. There are others that, you know what, I they, they've had a pretty good track record, but even them, I'm going to prove. Why? Well, because of the title of this episode, Lies, Darn Lies, and the media. The media has become untrustworthy. I've heard people, including other people I, I listen to actually question if the, the media, the corporate media, have become the enemy of the people. Now, to me, those are those are inflammatory words. There's 
they're there's not they're not words to use lightly but i have to wonder based on well the last few years of doing this radio program i have to wonder if there are certain parts of the media that are actually and their their enemy is the people it is to in their 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 loyalty is to a marxist progressive agenda and well us poor people we just keep getting in the way or maybe we're just too stupid to realize um that they're lying to us take the this is a program off of pbs's so-called news hour the host is uh, was anna nawaz and uh she's doing a, a a piece about the relationship between the overturning of roe v wade the dobbs decision and domestic violence Long before the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, ending the constitutional right to an abortion, researchers noticed a link between women having abortion access and a reduced risk of violence from men. Oh, yeah, where are the studies? First of all, I don't trust a word that she's saying. Where is the data? Show me your evidence. Where's the Just because you say it doesn't mean diddly squat to anybody I think that has half a brain. But she goes on. Now, in the wake of the court's decision, the opposite is happening, both anecdotally and in the data. Oh, so a lot of this is, well, we've got anecdotal information that that uh, domestic violence is on the rise because of, of the Dobbs decision. But there's still more. Abortion restrictions have led to a significant uptick in intimate partner violence. That, ladies and gentlemen, is propaganda. I say it's propaganda because it's not based in any actual scientific data. She's already said that a lot of the data is anecdotal, but understand, they're looking at correlation and assuming causation. Where is this violence happening? Under what circumstances? Hey, I have a question. If she assumes, you know, if this violence increase is coming from states where abortion is still legal, that would make, that would prove that her her causation link is a lie, but it's not there. She's giving you bits and pieces of curated information to uh, support an agenda, and she's not actually giving you the courtesy of showing you the reports or the data to prove her point. The National Domestic Violence Hotline reports seeing nearly a 100% increase in calls. Okay, we finally have a piece of actual factual data we can test. So I went to the uh, domestic, uh, was the, 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 the hot, they call it the hotline, right? The, the National Domestic uh, uh, Violence Hotline, uh, Domestic Abuse Hotline, I forget what they call it. And uh, you know what I found? They haven't done a report for 2023 yet. The last report they have is from 2022. So I'm not sure where this person is getting her data. Not only the reporter, or the, the quote-unquote reporter, the journalist, the, the, the talking head, but the person she's that she's interviewing, um, where are you getting your data? You're making broad claims without a lot of data. But let's even let's assume, okay, what if the um, the domestic violence hotline is getting twice as many calls? Twice as many calls since when? Since last year? Since last month? Since last decade? Okay, let's let's assume we got a a, a serious spike. Uh, let's assume it's the last year. Okay. Um, first of all, again, where are they coming from? Are these calls coming from places that uh, pass laws to prohibit abortion, to restrict abortion, or to let abortion encourage abortion? Because that would be important understanding between correlation and causation. 
you see, if the if the domestic violence uh, calls are coming from, say, um, New York City, L.A., San Francisco, where abortion is encouraged, that says something a lot different than, say, if we're coming from, oh, I don't know, Dallas, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, or or other places, Nashville, where uh, it was restricted. Now, I did listen to more of the report, but there were some technical issues, and it kept breaking up, and it wasn't good audio, so I didn't want to bring it to you. But basically, this person was just repeating what the the anchor said and expounding on it, but not providing any data. I, you know, remember, of, of the, the four pillars of a sound argument, even an expert's opinion is only an opinion until they provide proof. And there is no proof here. But yet we're expected to believe that any place where you restrict uh, where you restrict abortions, then you're going to have automatically have domestic violence. And again, this is not the first time they've done something like this, but hopefully the American people are starting to wake up that um, you know, just because a journalist says it doesn't mean it's at all true. And what about the years that we've been, you know, the, the idea by the, has been promoted by the media that Oh no, we weren't doing any any uh, uh, gain of function research at, at the Wuhan. It didn't come from Wuhan. We weren't involved. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. Well, guess what? Now we find emails from Anthony Fauci showing that yeah, they knew that a U.S. funded laboratory in China, I believe in Wuhan, China, um, was working on. Would any common, reasonable person would consider gain of function? See, back in February of 2020, the vaunted Fauci was on a a conference call, and writing down some notes. Afterward, he he, he penned in, uh, uh, some notes. He said um, that they that the scientists there were several of them were suspicious that the mutation found in COVID 19, actually SARS V two, whatever they call it, um, was intentionally inserted and it was heightened by the fact that the scientists in the Wuhan lab are known to have been working on gain of function experiments to determine the molecular mechanism associated with bat viruses adapting to human infection and the outbreak originated in Wuhan now for what two and a half years now we've been told no it was an accident no it didn't happen in the lab no there's no gain gain function no the u.s wasn't paying for any of this stuff but the truth is coming out but i have to wonder how much damage was done during those two years by the fact that we didn't know that the american people didn't know that the federal government was illegally spending money on virus research. Because you remember, public health is not a power delegated to the United States. Congress is not authorized to collect taxes to do public health research. They can pay the debts of the United States, they can provide for the common defense of the United States, and the general welfare of the United States, capital U, capital S, cap, uh, proper noun, referring to the Union of States. But that's, even, even if you take that far, you go through, there's nothing in the in the Constitution about public about public health being a power delegated to the United States. So you've got Congress illegally appropriating money being spent illegally by the United by the US National Institutes on Allergy and Infectious Disease, which does not legally exist, and then lying to us about, you know, 
Back in 2020, there were concerns that this was a man-made virus that broke out in Wuhan. How much damage was done because the American people were hidden from this information? And again, it's not solely corporate media, and it's not solely one side of the political spectrum. Uh, the Most of the GOP candidates did a, I guess, some sort of interview with, with Tucker Carlson uh, a couple weekends ago, and a lot has been said about one clip. I don't actually have the clip, but it was um, Tucker asking, in this case, former Vice President Pence, about is it really worth, you know, how he could favor doing more in Ukraine when there are such major domestic problems festering right here in the good old U.S. of A. And at one point, um, at one point, Mr. Pence said, that's not my concern. And of course, everybody glommed on to that and went absolutely berserk that, you know, oh, it's not my concern. Well, let's back up a little bit. First of all, in context, what was he saying? He said, he said, quote, anybody who says we cannot be the we can't be the leader of the free world and solve our problems at home has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on earth. We can do both. Now, I don't think anybody believes that Mr. Pence has no concern about domestic problems, but I'll tell you what, if you actually read Article 2 of the Constitution, most of the domestic problems that Tucker was talking about are not, I repeat, not the direct concern of the president. You know, it's Congress that made the laws regarding the border. Yes, it's the president's responsibility to faithfully execute those laws. And if he's not doing that, that is his concern. But the fentanyl crisis, most of these crises are actually state concerns, not even federal concerns. And with their federal concerns, we're dealing with laws, but the laws are not made by the president. The laws are made by Congress. If you look at the Constitution, very little domestic policy is actually vested in the United States. The states are supposed to be dealing with domestic issues, while the federal government focuses more on, on foreign issues and, yes, interstate issues. But if you watch the news, even quote-unquote conservative news or alternate news, mostly what you heard was the quote of Pence saying, that's not my concern. I don't know if that was the best way to put it, Mr. Pence, but notice they're focusing on one thing and ignoring the rest, that we can do both. Now, here's the question. Is it, you know, which should be a priority? Which should be uh, uh, you know, uh, which should take precedence over the other, that might be a good discussion to have. But here again, you have the media focusing on a soundbite out of context. And I wonder how many people are just jumping all over themselves to, uh, quote unquote, destroy Pence for this out of context quote. I, I, I want to get to some more, but I, I have to take a break. Before I go, I do hope you'll head to the website, constitutionstudy.com. I have questions I'm going to do at the end of the program. I'm always looking for more questions. So if you go to constitutionstudy.com, click ask a question, you'll see you can fill out a form. There's a checkbox that says, yes, please answer it on the radio. And I'll be more than happy to try and answer your questions right here on the radio, as long as there's somewhat something related to the Constitution. That's that's kind of like my one my one caveat, my one sphere of limitation. 
It's also where you can sign up for my mailing list. You can check out the Patriots program while you're there. Um, you can maybe buy a book or two. All of it's possible right there at constitutionstudy.com. Now, those of you may not know, I just got back from being on the road. I was on the road for the better part of a week, um, dealing with some family matters. Everything's fine. Everybody's okay. But I had to be away for a while. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I travel, I frequently have a hard time falling asleep. It's those first couple of days are nightmares because I don't sleep well. So I'm the next day I'm groggy and I'm not with it. Uh, I found a solution. It's, it's, I found the only sleep supplement designed to support all four stages of sleep. It helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed. And how do I do it? With Healthy Cells REM Sleep Supplement. It's a simple travel-ready gel pack. I throw them in my bag. I just take them before bedtime, and it helps. It helps me fall asleep so I can wake up refreshed and ready to go. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. All you have to do is use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please go to americaoutloud.shop, find the Healthy Cell card, click on it. It's got all the instructions. The big thing is when you put your cart together, when you get all the stuff you want to try, because Healthy Cell has a lot of great stuff, use that code OUTLOUD at checkout. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. And we'll be right back after these messages. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If you join the Constitution study today, we're talking about lies, 
Darlies and the media. That's right. Nothing like getting lied to by the media that we used to trust. And that's really kind of the point today is trust. You know, when you get lied to, like like the boy who cried wolf over and over and over again, you just, you get used to being lied to. It's almost to the point where you expect to be lied to, kind of like with politics, right? Politician tells you something, you assume they're lying, especially if they're on the campaign trail. And of course, I fully expect the corporate media day to be lying to me, which which really puts me in a weird position when they admit the lie. I lied. What? He lied. Everything Harry tells you is a lie. Remember that. Everything Harry tells you is a lie. Now listen to this carefully, Norman. I am lying. You say you are lying, but if everything you say is a lie, then you are telling the truth. But you cannot tell the truth because everything you say is a lie, but you lie. You tell the truth, but you so cannot. So I'm kind of in this catch-22, right? When somebody that I'm expecting to lie to me admits that there's a lie going on, I'm confused. I'm sure that's how many people reacted when the New York Times admitted it had been spreading false information about COVID deaths. Take, for example, the New York Times, which finally admitted uh, in their vaunted pages that, uh, well, let me quote, COVID's toll, to be clear, has not fallen to zero. The CDC's main COVID webpage estimates that about 80% per pe- per 80 people per day have been dying from the virus in recent weeks, which is equal to about 1% of overall daily deaths. The official number is probably an exaggeration because it includes some people who had viruses when they died, even though it was not the underlying cause of death. Other CDC data suggests that almost one-third of official recent COVID deaths have fallen into this category. A study published by the journal Clinical Investors Diseases came to similar conclusions. Of course, interesting, you know, the Times doesn't admit, wait a second, we've been sharing this, this fictitious data, this lie, for years. They have. They've been promoting it. Look at all the people who are dead. And look at what we, we have to justify all of these infringers on people's rights because we have all these deaths. And now they're finally admitting, you know what? We were spreading propaganda. We were spreading misinformation. Funny how I don't see them being censored by, um, oh, big, you know, the, the social media or other big tech firms. Well, here's another lie that's been going out. That 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 um, inflation is better. That that we're it, it, our inflation is better than expected. Inflation, everything's wonderful. Life is Bidenomics works. Even was it Corinne Jean Pierre said Bidenomics works. Yeah, that's just another lie. And again, it's another lie being propagated by corporate media. See, here's a couple of things. Remember, lies, darn lies, and statistics is the origination of that quote. Because if you don't know the statistical, if you don't know the data set, you don't know how to analyze the number. And if there's one thing that gets manipulated for political purposes, it's the inflation number. Because they don't give you the raw inflation number. They give you the the different bits and pieces. Right? They, they take out things like food and energy because, well, they're highly volatile. Isn't that what I'd like to know about the inflation? So they say that inflation is better. Oh, yeah. Bread prices are up 11.5%. Cookies, 8.8%. Beer, 5.4%. Ve- frozen vegetables, 17%. Even your underwear 
is up 4%. Now, Biden turns around and says, no, it's inflation's better. Um, and and your your wages have gone up. So life is good. Your real wages have improved. Well, all right, let's start from the beginning. Wait, you know, the inflation is better than the disaster that the Biden that, that has been um under under this recent administration. Uh now again, the president directly legally has little influence over it but a lot of his policies a lot of this is congress spending money like crazy so it's not necessarily biden's fault although he gets blamed for it um it's our loose monetary policy being generated by the fed which again is often encouraged by the president uh you know and they don't tell you that yeah it's down from the was it six seven eight percent it was last year it's still Three, what, two, three times higher than it was when Biden took office. And oh, yeah, those real wages they keep talking about, real wages are up. No, they're not. Your wages are up, but they've been outstripped by inflation. So your ability to buy stuff is actually down. But they still tell you that Bidenomics works. That's because they pick out the, the, the bits and pieces of the statistics, they cherry pick the information that makes them look good, and the media goes along with it. They propagate this information. They uh uh they they help schmooze it, right? They 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 put it out there, they make it look pretty, they reinforce it. They're part of the lie. They're part of the swamp. Right? You talk about about uh, the the swamp or 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 the deep state, corporate media is as much a part of it as anything else. Which I know is going to leave a lot of people going, then what do we, what do we do? What do we do? How how do we know the truth? Well, we have to start with a critical eye. Take, for example, this, uh, th this episode on MSNBC Morning Joe co-host Mika Brzezinski did a nice little piece on uh, a, 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 an article done by, in the Atlantic by Ann Applebaum. Ann Applebaum, in your latest article for The Atlantic, entitled, Is Tennessee a Democracy? Okay, let me interrupt for a second, because right off the bat, you have the first lie. Uh, no, Tennessee is not a democracy. In fact, none of the 50 states are a democracy. They are a republic, as required by the Constitution of the United States. Article 4, Section 4 reads, The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. So the very premise that this so-called journalist, this so-called reporter, brings to the table is wrong. The question is it's flawed. It's wrong. It's not supposed to be a democracy. But she goes on. You discuss what happens after one party wins everything, but still wants more. And you write in part, quote, to stay in office in a state where few people vote and districts are gerrymandered, Tennessee legislators need to appeal to only a tiny number of very dedicated, very partisan people. The competition for those votes can quite quickly turn into a competition for who can sound mo most radical. Here's the other lie. That's true of every, pretty much every state. Do you really think, I lived in New York State for most of my life, and you know what? Politicians didn't tend to, to curry favor, especially at the federal level. The, the U.S. House and the, the senators, they didn't curry favor with the conservatives. They curried favor with the radical liberal Marxist leftists. 
this is true of every but again this oh tennessee is bad because well tennessee is 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 mostly republican you continue there's another element Call it the lesson of Sumner County, the place where Republicans won everything, control everything, and yet still feel aggrieved and victimized. New York City, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Chicago, L.A. These are all examples of one-party rule. It just happens to be it's a Democratic Party. And they still act aggrieved and victimized. As in Hungary or Poland or as in Venezuela, the experience of radicalism can make people more radical. Total control of a political system can make the victors not more magnanimous, but more frustrated. Not least because they learn that total control still doesn't deliver what they think it should. Again, we see that all across the country. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was never happy, even when the Democrats were in control of both houses of Congress. Joe Biden was not happy, even when Congress was behind him. Barack Obama was not happy. What she's saying is true. She's just trying to focus you on the, the, the Republicans as being the bad guys. I'd like the way, uh, uh, was it Newsbuster summarized this? She thinks Tennessee is fascist because they won't elect liberals. I'm sorry, I, I, I think that's not quite right. Te they, they believe Tennessee is fascist because they won't elect fascists. And as an example of what Ms. Applebaum was talking about, uh, about how people just, too much is never enough. Take, for example, this, this TikToker lady. She claims she suffers from, quote, time blindness. And she's all upset because businesses criticize her for being tardy. She, again, I won't use TikTok. I refuse to use TikTok. But according to the reports, um, she said she saw businesses that, quote, cut off employees who struggle with being on time. They need to be dismantled. How dare you expect me to show up on time? And again, we create a new fake disease, time blindness. It's not my fault. I mean, she might as well be Han Solo going, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm too stupid and lazy to set an alarm clock that leaves me enough time to get to work on time. I mean, that's effectively what she's saying. She, she said, I just wanted uh, to know if there are accommodations for people who struggle with time blindness and being on time, you know? Yeah, you know what the accommodation is? You get fired. You get fired for someone that actually will show up on time. It's funny, I was talking to uh, uh, a young man the other day, and uh, it, this had to do with job interviews. And the point I, I made to him was, the job is not yours. The job belongs to the employer. They want someone that will show up and do the job. You want the paycheck. If you're not willing to do what they want, they ain't going to pay you. And the fact that you got this whiny, snivelly little lady... I don't even can call her a lady. This 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 child, this overgrown infant that believes she has the right to be late because she struggles with being on time. You know what? Maybe it's not her fault. I mean, she's responsible. Don't get me wrong. But maybe it's not her fault. Maybe her parents just ref refuse to teach her to, you know, be on time. Be respectful of other people's times. Be respectful of the commitment you made to be somewhere at a certain time. And if you can't do that, how do you call yourself an adult?
And this is, again, this is being, uh, now, I don't know how much this is being promoted by the mainstream media, but I wouldn't be surprised. This came out of the Daily Mail, so it was England. But um, how long do you think before it comes to the good old U.S. of A? So I keep saying, what can we do? Well, here's, here's what I say we do. This is, this is what I do. This is also, by the way, what I teach. When I teach the boot camp, I start out with four pillars of a strong, of foundational principles for everything that you do. When it comes, whether it's it's de- de- developing your opinion, building an argument, discussing, debating, teaching, four pillars. Pillar number one: it's only an opinion until there's proof. It's only an opinion until there's proof. Just because some idiot says she's time blind doesn't mean she's time blind. May just mean she's lazy. Where's the proof? Just because some idiot questions whether or not Tennessee's a democracy, it's not. And I can prove it. I did prove it, by the way. Just because some politician says that inflation's gotten better, where's the proof? What was the old the Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? Well, where's the proof? That's got to be our mantra nowadays. Where's the proof? Pillar number one. It's only an opinion until there's proof. Pillar number two, I guess it's foundational principle number two. An expert opinion is still only an opinion. We've become wedded to the idea because someone is a quote-unquote expert. Uh, Now, I'm not saying expertise doesn't have its place. I'm an expert in the Constitution. That doesn't mean I can't be wrong about something I say about the Constitution. It should mean that I, I know a lot, I can find the resources I need quickly, and can I help explain what I'm talking about. But just because I'm an expert and I say something, well, you shouldn't simply, that, that's not proof. It's still an opinion until I provide you proof. It's why I keep going back and I try to quote the Constitution, tell you where it is so you can go find it and double check it for yourself. Pillar number three, check your sources. I can't tell you how many times the you know the the source of you know someone provides some something as so, quote unquote proof and the source doesn't actually say what they said it says. I can't tell you how many people tell me that um, the the quote unquote incorporation act of 1872 turned the United you know basically overthrew the government of the United States created a separate uh, United States private corporation. Frequently, it's owned by like Lloyd's of London or the Vatican or something like that. And you go back and you read the actual document and it says no such thing. So please check your facts, check your proof. And last but not least, whenever possible, go to the original sources, the original documents, the original, the quotes from the original. As I like to say, get your information from the horse's mouth, not the other end. Because it's like a game of telephone, right? Somebody says something, somebody interprets it one way, and then again, and again, and again. And what you end up with is, well, something that doesn't relate at all to the original source. It's why I use the Constitution from the National Archives. It's why I try to find quotes out of documents for what people say. And I'm not always successful, but that's what I try, because I want to go to the original sources. I want to be getting my information from the horse's mouth. Now, this is just as true with media, right? Don't get your information simply from the media. Well, you know, this commentator said so, or this expert said so. No, that's the other end. Go to the horse's mouth, find the original documents, and then see if what they say is true. 
if we do this, if we do this with all things, not just, you know, our social media uh, people, but our, our corporate media, all of our news and information, I think we would, we would not simply have more information. We'd have better information, information we can trust. And that's what I think we need if we're going to come to some agreeable understanding about what is, what isn't, and how we proceed. And by the way, it's one of the reasons why I like using America Out Loud as a source of research. I get, I get, I get so many of my colleagues here that uh, provide me information, provide me the sources to go double check. So do like I do. Check out AmericaOutloud.news every day for the latest news and information. Then take those stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos that say something to you, that get your attention or think, say something you think is important, and share it. See, it's the sharing, the free sharing of information that helps all of us secure the blessings of liberty. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. Today we're talking about lies, darn lies in the media, but I want to take some time and answer some questions. I've been asking for them for several days, and I do. I enjoy answering questions. So if you have a question, something related to the Constitution somehow, then please go to constitutionstudy.com, click the Ask a Question button, and just fill out the form. If you hit the checkbox that says, Please answer on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'll be more than happy to and share this information with as many people as we can. I've got a few questions to answer to, uh, for you today. Um, 
The first one is not exactly the type of question I would normally answer, but they did ask me to, to answer it on the radio. Uh, this person claims that they are being maliciously prosecuted and uh, they're having a problem with finding an attorney, right? So um, they claim that they're being charged with the crime they never committed. Um, a, a, they say a jury found them not guilty, but the problem is, um, I guess they were looking for a confirmation of fact, a finding of factual innocence. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV, but uh, apparently, you understand, not guilty doesn't necessarily mean innocent. It just means there wasn't enough evidence to prove guilt. So uh, apparently, this person wanted a finding of, of factual innocence, but the public defender that was representing them um, didn't file the paperwork on time. And uh, uh, she, this person appealed, and uh, the appellate court said no because the time's expired. And you know, now she's kind of stuck. And she said, uh, you know, she, she, she says, I can't get a public attorney, a public defender. I can't get an attorney. What do I do? And she wants some advice. So let me start with one very important point. And I think it's going to go to the beginning of her case, but it's an important one. You see, any attorney you get is there to advise you not to do it for you. I should say not to direct things. In other words, uh, they're, they're a counselor. They're not the, the they're not the person being charged. They're not the person in the loss named in the lawsuit. They are an advisor, and uh, because of that, you need to keep an eye on them. Now, in this case, she had a public defender, and understand the public defender works for well the government that's charging with a crime. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm not imputing them any ill will. Right? It's not like like they're out to get people. Um, but let's face it, they're busy. They may be a great lawyer. They may be a great attorney. They may not be. They may be terribly overworked. They may not be. The point is, you need to keep track and control of the case. They're there to advise you. They're there to give you information. They're there to help you. But ultimately, you are the person that is um, that is either being charged or being sued or whatever, you are ultimately the one that is responsible. Which means, sadly, um, that two-year deadline, I don't know if you were informed about that ahead of time or what, but ultimately, I'm sorry to say it was your responsibility to make sure the, dead, the filing happened on time. At best, at best, um, you may have a, a some suit against the public defender, or, the, or at least the public defender's office, for incompetent defense, but that I think would be a, a tremendous lawsuit. Um, I, she talks about not being able to get a public defender or attorney anymore. Understand, you don't legally need an attorney. An attorney there is to support you. You don't need one. It's called pro. It's defending, or I should say, it's about acting. I believe it's pro se for yourself, which you're legally allowed to. So, um, again, the 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 only advice I have is uh, you can try again. You don't need an attorney. Um, you can certainly find out how to file whatever documents, whatever case uh, case you need to file. But I would also recommend that you that uh, you not, whether you get an attorney or not, 
I know they say the the person who defends himself, the attorney that defends himself, has an idiot for a client, um, and there's good reason for that. The law is very complicated. It's very convoluted. It's not easy. But I I know people that are working very well uh, representing themselves in a case. So uh, I, I wish I had better news. I wish I could give you some really nice piece of advice. But uh, sadly, that's uh, that's kind of all I've got in that particular situation. But I will, I do want to remind you, you know, you're not you're not required to have an attorney. Um, they're there to advise you. Okay, I got two questions coming from the same person. Um, the the first one's a little long, and, and he's he's making several points. Uh, let me break this up a little bit. So he says, uh, in my state, we've been taking federal money for a long time, like all states. In fact, most of the, the, this federal money goes to the various bureaucracies in the state that do nothing but either regulate the population or work to enslave them. I have heard that it would be a bad idea to instantly cut off the flow of federal dollars so many times. However, I would disagree. All right, let me stop. Right, let's start with that one. Uh, that, to me, kind of depends. It depends on what the federal dollars are being used for. Because you have to, one thing you have to remember, if the federal government isn't paying for it, then who is? So in this case, if, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's say you've got some bureaucracy in your state that's getting a million dollars a year from the feds to do, I don't know, to regulate widgets. If you want widgets, reg widgets regulated, and suddenly that million dollars a year is gone, where's the money going to be to regulate your widgets? It's going to have to come from state funds. So when they tell you, you know, to instantly cut off Maybe a bad idea if you, you have to consider how am I going, A, do I want to continue doing this? And B, if I do, how do I want to replace the federal funding? Even do I need to replace all the federal funding? So I, 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 would, I would disagree with this disagreement when you talk about instantly. The, it can be done quickly, but I think the, the rashness of especially uh, you know, programs that people depend on. Uh, I, I think of, uh, you know, if there's money coming in for, say, um, police services or, you know, fun, helping funding police programs or ambulance or other things where the sudden disappearance would have an adverse effect on the people, we need to be a little careful about that. And that's, that's kind of what he makes in the second part. Is, uh, you know, that if the federal money disappeared, well, then the bureaucracies funded by the money would disappear. But that's not necessarily true. It may just transfer to a state responsibility, where it's a state, it's a legitimate state power. Uh, education, right? All the money that comes out of the Department of Education, uh, the states would basically have to pick up. You're not going to be. I'd find it highly unlikely that they're going to shut down a bunch of schools and stuff simply because the uh, uh, because the federal funding disappears. That's going to be transferred to state funding. People need to understand, if you cut off the funding to these federal bureaucracies, it doesn't necessarily mean that your uh, your tax bill is going to go down. It Much of it may transfer from federal to state, and that's something we need to keep in mind uh, when we're making these changes as well. Now, he says, instantly stopping the flow of federal money uh, to my state sounds like a fantastic idea. Um, I... My concern is you're not taking into consideration the second and third order consequences, because simply turning off the funding is not um, 
is it, it's not a, un, a completely unique situation, right? It doesn't it's not alone. It's going to impact other things. Uh, picture it this way, right? You've got a large tree, and you're out on a branch, and you say, "Well, gee, if I cut off this branch, uh, I'm not going to be harmed because I'm not sitting on that branch." But you may be sitting on a branch that's connected to that branch somehow or some way. So I think we need to take some time and consider those second and third order consequences for those situations. I agree we should get the money out of the federal, you know, the, we should not have the federal government doing what it's not legally authorized to do, but I think we need to do so wisely and not, uh, not simply rashly because we think it'd be a great idea. Now, a second question actually is kind of interesting. He says, I doubt this would be the case, but since voters have voted in people to violate the Supreme Law, couldn't those voters be held partially responsible for their elected employee violating the Supreme Law? And again, this kind of comes to, well, depends on what you mean by held partially responsible. Uh, for example, um, the people—I uh, I know your state, but I'm not going to use your state because in that say I could. The, the people of New York uh, passed laws that infringe on the Second Amendment. Now, does that mean that the people in New York should be jailed under Title 18, Section 242 of the United States Code since they elected the people that put in place the laws that led to people being deprived of a right protected by the Constitution under color of law? Yeah, no. We, they should be held responsible for, uh, at a moral standpoint. No, it's not a legal standpoint, but a moral standpoint. Same way if, uh, um, let's say, a, uh, uh, an employee at a major corporation embezzles $100 million, does that mean the members of the board or the stock owners should be held fiscally or should be held directly responsible for it? No, that's the purpose of a corporation is to provide that level of protection. But it doesn't mean they're not responsible, right? If the people, if the shareholders elected a board member who um, embezzled $100 million, they should be embarrassed. They, they should learn from that, but I don't think they should go to jail for that. But this idea of responsibility, it's, we like to avoid being held responsible for things. It's, it's human nature. But we have a moral responsibility for the people we put in office uh, and for the actions that they do. They are acting in our name. They're exercising our power in our name, and I believe we have a, a, a moral responsibility for the actions that they commit. We'd much rather say, look at that dirty, rotten, evil you know, you know, congressman or, or senator or governor uh, and pretend that we had no part in placing them there. Even, by the way, if you didn't vote for them, they're still representing you uh, what have you done to show just how evil and corrupt they are? So, uh, again, it's, it's, I'm sorry to say it depends because the, the question was fairly, um, it wasn't very specific. Uh, I say we have a moral responsibility for the actions of the people we hire via elections. I do not say we have a legal responsibility for those actions. Uh, we have a legal responsibility for our own actions, not the actions of our employees. So I hope those answers those, those they answer those questions. 
Again, if you have questions you would like me to answer on the radio, just go to constitutionstudy.com, click the Ask a Question button. There's a checkbox that says, please answer this on the radio. I'll be more than happy to. All I ask is that it be somehow related to the Constitution, because this is the, the Constitution study, and um, that's kind of what, what, what I focus on. But I also want you to consider this. You know, the, the idea of lies, darn lies, I've used before, right? Lies, darn lies, statistics. Lies, darn lies, politics, politicians. Lies, darn lies, the media. It's from this, this understanding that the truth is important. The truth is an anchor. By understanding that, that there is something that is true, 2 plus 2 equals 4, that's an anchor. It, it's a fixed point. I've talked before, as a teenager, I considered becoming a pilot. I learned to navigate. Uh, and, and it's very important that when you're navigating, you're, move, you're, you're navigating from fixed points, things where you know where they are, whether it be a, a radio beacon, uh, an airport, or some other train feature. You need to know where that is in order to accurately understand where you are. And I think too often we want our truth to be truth, we want our way to be right, and we start moving that anchor around, and it becomes impossible to navigate. You know, I live outside of Nashville, Tennessee. If I want to go to Ohio, I head north. If for some reason Ohio moves and Ohio's now east, well then, how am I going to find Ohio? Because it's moving. It's why I focus so much on, on evidence, on proof, on facts. I want anchor points. I want fixed points that I can work from, whether I'm making a decision, uh, forming an opinion, arguing a point. And one of those fixed points of reference should be the actual language of the Constitution. And when that language is at all vague, it should be the it, it should be the, the language of the Constitution as understood by the people who drafted it. And whenever that language is vague or or not completely perfectly aligned to what you're talking to, we should be looking at the original intent. We should be looking to other parts to decide where we're going. What what does this fit into the entire understanding of the Constitution? The fact that we don't teach the Constitution in in primary school anymore, we don't teach it in law school anymore, tells us that many ways our legal system is adrift because it has no anchor, because the supreme law of the land is not a fixed point. And in fact, people laud it. They say, no, it's a living, breathing document. It can mean whatever we want it to mean. That's how you find yourself shipwrecked because you don't know where the danger is, because you don't know where you are, because you don't have a fixed point of reference. The easiest way to deal with lies, darn lies in the media, is to double-check their facts. To recognize that just because somebody's a pretty face on a TV program, or writes elegant prose in a newspaper or magazine, doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. The good part is, when you find people that consistently provide proof, and that proof holds up to scrutiny, well, that means you've got at least a starting point to give them a little bit, a little benefit of the doubt. You still want to double check them, but you can, you can feel safe to say, I'm pretty sure they're right. I'm going to double check them anyway, just to be sure. And by doing that, 
You know, people say, well, isn't that a lot of work? Isn't that a lot of, isn't, doesn't that make you less free? No, it makes me more free. I forget who it was that said it. It, it. They said, it is the slavery to the compass that sets the sailor free. It's slavery to the Constitution that sets the American people free. Now, I hope you'll come back and join us here at the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio Heard and the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, by all means, listen to the podcast. The episodes show up generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. You can find them in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave me a rating and review. It helps other people find the Constitution study. Uh, I just found on Good Pods, we've been rated in the top 10 weekly charts for both government and how-to. That help, that comes from subscribers and from ratings. And you can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. Again, don't keep them to yourself. Share them as far as you can. That's how you help share the blessings of liberty.